Welcome to the audio podcast, the weekly sermon of the First Presbyterian Church of Brooklyn. We continue our multi-access worship both online in our recently renovated sanctuary. Sunday morning service is in person at 11 a.m. and we are live on firstchurchbrooklyn.org as well as the church Facebook page at facebook.com slash firstchurchbrooklyn. All one word, no spaces. Now, this week's message. Dear God, thank you for the blessing of being in this house of worship this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to consider together this story, to consider the implications of the incarnation. God, I pray that you would lift up these words this morning. I pray that they would be an encouragement, an insight, and a help into the lives of these faithful people who want to know how to better serve you. I pray my words would accomplish this goal. Pray for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. I've been thinking about how the shepherds loved Jesus. I've been thinking about how the magi loved Jesus been thinking about how Mary and Joseph and the angels and even the innkeeper loved Jesus. And I'm not just thinking about what they felt for him in their heart, right? Love as, as an effective response, but love as a material response. What was the method of their love? What were the mechanics of the material ways that they loved him. Each character has their own story and their own contribution, all of them loving Jesus, yet loving him differently. And I think some reflection on these things might show us how we can love Jesus in concrete ways, even if we love him differently. I've been thinking about the word solidarity in connection with this theme. Solidarity is a term that's used a lot in social justice spaces, sometimes in generically political ones. Politicians will make milk toast statements about being in solidarity with the families of gun violence, right, while not actually doing anything to protect those families. Or organizers might make more radical or real calls to be in solidarity with the incarcerated or or another oppressed group. And so I've been wondering about the usefulness of that language, given its imprecision, given the way that we're so capable of pretending to understand it and pretending to practice it. So here's what I think solidarity is and how I think it's connected to love. I think solidarity is when you ensure that the outcome of your life is bound up with the outcome of the cause you seek to support. In other words, solidarity is living or dying alongside the people with whom and for whom you struggle. And I think that the incarnation is the highest possible example of this. God took on the form of a slave through Christ, the Bible says. God emptied God's self of divinity and took on flesh. So God turns from heaven from safety 
and distance and privilege and power and becomes one of us. God doesn't just say that she cares about the human condition, about our tragic plight, about our suffering and pain. She becomes human so that her fate is bound up with ours. But solidarity in the minds of, of many just means to express support on social media. People imagine if they say, I stand with X community, that they have achieved solidarity with that community. They have in some meaningful way contributed to their protection or the elevation of their cause. But I think solidarity has a much higher threshold than that. Solidarity is a form of care, even of love. It's a way of expressing an existential commitment to the subject of that solidarity. But if you tell me that you love me, and yet do nothing to love me, I will not believe that you really do love me. If you tell me that you're in solidarity with my struggle, but you do nothing to align yourself with it, I won't believe that you're really in solidarity with me. I will believe that you love me when that love is demonstrated, with or without words. I will know that you're in solidarity with me when that commitment is demonstrated, with or without words. Love and solidarity can function so similarly because they're already deeply intertwined. What is love without solidarity? Love that refuses to exist alongside or as the loved one? What is solidarity that holds no love, that feels no affection or fails to desire goodness for the subject of solidarity? In that case, the words would become meaningless. So the two must be held together. And I think that this is powerfully illustrated by the nativity story. Because each of the characters puts themselves in a position to care for this baby Christ in a way that risks something for his care. They all leave comfort uh, of normal, the comfort of normalcy and safety to go to where he is. They all offer what they have in a way that functions as sacrifice, even if to greater or lesser degrees. The shepherds, for example... You might have heard that the shepherds were on one of the lowliest strata in society. There isn't actually direct evidence of that. I won't belabor that point here. But whatever the case, regardless of their social positioning, they're given a simple and dangerous job to protect livestock from predators, both human and animal. And shepherding wasn't a romantic occupation. It certainly wasn't glamorous or lucrative. It was difficult work and one of the few ways that one could make it in the world. And so these folks, these shepherds, precariously positioned as they were economically, perhaps socially, needed their jobs. Yet when the angels arrive and announce the advent of the Christ, these field workers paragons of bravery that they were supposed to be tremble in the moonlight. They're afraid of the implications of the message, of the world suddenly changing faster than they can keep up with, 
and the call to risk something to go be with the Christ child. They're told to leave their flocks to the dangers of the night, risking their livelihoods and maybe their lives. And they do to be where he is, to share his space, to lend their lives to loving him. Because this young couple, alien to this new place, poor and unprepared, pursued by an infanticidal king, need the practical love and accompaniment we call solidarity. So the shepherds sacrifice their safety, moving against their own fear to be where the need is. And then the Magi too, coming from a different angle, from a very different relationship to power, are called to demonstrate their love for Jesus in material ways. And they join themselves, they do this, they join themselves to his struggle for survival, under duress as his parents are, and the Magi offer what they have, valuable accoutrements, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And we, we usually, or maybe I'm just speaking for myself, sort of assume that these were fancy gifts that some rich travelers could just sort of give away. But maybe it was all they had. Maybe after three years of travel, right, because this is as long as it took them to, to find Jesus, three years, maybe they couldn't get home without trading these preciously kept resources, but they offer it to Jesus instead, in solidarity with his journey. Maybe they risk this, maybe not, but we know that they risk something far more dangerous. They lie to the king, Herod, refusing to tell him where the Christ child is, and this lie could easily cost them their lives as the bloodthirsty king would see their betrayal as sedition and execute them, probably on the spot. Yet they choose solidarity with those under threat of state-sponsored death. Their act is illegal and intensely dangerous. And now, because of this act, their fate is bound up with Christ's. If he is caught, they're dead too. Yet that is the bond of love and solidarity typified. Everyone in the story does what they can for the child. The innkeeper goes off script, probably against company policy, and makes do with the limited resources he has available. He makes space for them as best as he can. He contributes what he has. The angels lend their voices to proclaiming the cause of this baby God, gathering helpers from the fields, revealing the message that his birth portends. The animals even make space for him, sharing their quarters with this strange new and tiny animal that has come to liberate them too. Everyone is in on it, and even the reader is called. The hearer of the story is implicated in it, and the need to gather around this needy family and provide what they can. So what do you bring to Christ? What do you bring to those who are suffering under the threat of homelessness, starvation, or death? Little Christs, all of them.
We know this well from Matthew 25. How are you using your power, small as it may be, to contribute to the cause? How are you bringing your body into a place of danger and risk alongside those who live under these conditions? Because that's what it means to love them. To love them is to be in solidarity with them. To be in solidarity means to take on their flesh, to become them, to be joined in body and soul such that their outcome is your outcome. Love is not well wishes from afar. Solidarity is not tepid allusions to theoretical support in principle. Both love and solidarity are composed of material risks, of existential identifications with the subject, of these forms of care. And this is our call this morning, as we know full well that solidarity with the oppressed is demanded of us. Real risk is expected of us. Christ is cold and hungry and alone, and a ruthless king is pursuing him. And how do we stand with him? Stand with him not as a metaphor, but as a physical practice of placing our bodies alongside his. Our Palestinian friends need real love and real solidarity. Our Jewish friends need real love and real solidarity. Love and solidarity are needed in Sudan, in the Congo, in Haiti, and all across the world. But will we position our personal interests our resources, our physical bodies, and our souls in alignment with the fates of each of these? Will we move beyond easy platitudes and gestures towards care and risk something for them? That's what the heroes of the Nativity did. And their witness has been recorded and retold now for thousands of years. So let their example guide us. I don't know if we will be remembered for the sacrifices we make for love and solidarity. We may be one of the characters in this cosmic story that are lost to any historical record. I imagine that Jesus' protection, provision, and survival was assisted by far more than the few in our text. But what is greater than any visible recognition is the meaning of the greater thing. It's the way our lives bear a different kind of fruit because of the choices that we made to risk when it was asked of us. Those people behind and beyond the Christmas story gave of themselves too, toward the salvation of the world, whether or not anyone else ever knows. But they know, and God knows. And when all is told... When the whole story is revealed, they will be vindicated. They will be honored, and you and I should be among them. We should be the ones who gave ourselves to love and solidarity toward the work of the gospel, toward the salvation of the world and the renewing of all things, even if no one sees our sacrifice. Even if we are not in the center of the story, not the shepherds, or magi, or innkeeper, or angels, or even the star that guides the world 
to grace. But if we are somewhere in the night, knowing in the deepest parts of ourselves that the Messiah is here and we helped to protect him, that we loved him and we were in solidarity with him, we will die well, knowing that we did what we could. We did what was asked. And our gift, while maybe never named, has been etched into creation at a level deeper than ink and paper. The world that held Jesus inside of itself is its own testimony. We were a part of that. We left that mark. We didn't hold our precious things for ourselves. We shared them with Christ in love and solidarity. And that story will be told again and again. And we will sit back quietly when it's told, whether in heaven or on earth, knowing our part, holding our own soft glory as the light we brought into the world flickers in the darkness. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust you were fed as well as challenged by the content. This audio archive supplements a video library of the entire service. The video, along with music from our internationally recognized gospel choir, is available on firstchurchbrooklyn.org. We provide multi-access worship options both in person and online Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We are live in the sanctuary, as well as firstchurchbrooklyn.org and the church Facebook page at facebook.com firstchurchbrooklyn. All one word, no spaces. Visit firstchurchbrooklyn.org for more information on both online and in-person worship. Remember that now, as always, you are loved.